Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 105 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, wonderful. How are you? I am doing well. And we are here to talk about a Giants team that is in control of their own destiny. This will be a little bit of a truncated podcast uh, because we want to get it out before the game starts. Uh, But the Giants, I mean, they win baseball games. They make the postseason. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? I mean, right. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. This, <laughs> this is uh, this has become a compelling, interesting, fun season. And I think even if this team wasn't going to make the playoffs, they've been so much more watchable and so much more entertaining. And the offense has has been so much better that it's been worth it. It's been worth all the trouble everyone's gone to 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 make sure they can get a baseball season off. There's only been one COVID scare, and that was a false positive. And really, you couldn't ask for it to go much better than it has, especially when you knew Buster Posey wasn't going to be a part of it from the get-go. Yeah, this team has, has given everyone a lot of reasons to watch and follow along and be engaged, and, and they could top it off by getting into the postseason, and they certainly control their fate. So you got to give a lot of credit to a lot of people. And one of the things you'll hear is, bah, it's just the expanded postseason that's getting them in there. But as of right now, if there weren't an, an expanded postseason, uh, the Giants would be tied for for that fifth second or fifth slot, which is essentially the second wild card slot under the normal system, uh, there would be a three-way tie, which would be chaos. I can't imagine in a normal year what sort of plans and playoffs and reverse double playoffs there would be to get to the wild card game. But the Giants would be there. I mean, they they have a record that is comparable to a second wild card in a normal season. So it, it's not like this is just a gift bestowed on them by the mutant 2020 season. Sure. I I mean, the one thing to point out is that, you know, they're right there with the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Phillies and the Marlins. And who am I leaving out? The, the Reds. The Reds. Um, and, and they're not playing any of those teams. Right. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's everyone's in their own region. So we're comparing kind of apples and oranges in terms of the, the, there's no common opponents. So uh, and, and it's wild. You know, I, I've got an NL Cy Young Award vote and I was reading Mark Kerrig's column and it never even really dawned on me to think about, hey, you need to go and look at who these guys are facing because some divisions have been much more offensively uh, uh, gifted than, than other ones. Uh, and, and you have you know, pitchers that you're trying to compare who are, are facing completely different slates of opponents. And it's a great point. And it's the same thing with the postseason. You've got teams that are facing 
entirely different slates of opponents. And and I I'm just I had a sort of a galaxy brain moment, or maybe it was not a galaxy brain, more more of an addled brain moment the other day. But imagine this scenario, right? Okay, imagine in a scenario where um, the second place teams from the NL Central finish tied. Let's say it's the Cardinals and Reds, or you know the Cardinals and Brewers. However, it would work. And you go with head-to-head record, right? Head-to-head record uh, decides who the second-place team will be. But let's say that the team that has the worst head-to-head record has a better record within the division. And then that team, let's say the Giants also finish tied, they, the Giants would, would then use head-to-head record uh, or, or would use in the division record to determine whether they get in or that other central team gets in. And through no fault of the Giants' own, they could end up in a tiebreaker with a team that would beat them. Uh, whereas if the head-to-head tiebreaker turned out the other way, they would... I, am I confusing just myself, or is this making any sense? I, I, I think I had a point at some at some juncture, but it, I've gone off the rails. We'll be back right after this. I'm not sure if this is a galaxy brain or an exploded brain. No, what's this fluid leaking out of my nose? No, oh, that's my brain. Okay, so that's not a galaxy brain. I don't, I mean, like, I get what, no, no, I get what you're saying. You're being clear, but it's, the tiebreakers are all sort of, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the last time. They're all against the Giants, but the tiebreakers shouldn't matter because if they win enough games, if they lose enough games to lose a tiebreaker against a central team, that means they've lost these games against the Rockies, against the Padres, uh, you know, that so they need to win those baseball games to be in the postseason. And I really don't know if there's a situation where a tiebreaker could matter other than like every team loses. And I'm talking the Marlins, the the Reds, the Brewers, and only the Cardinals win out and they win that second central spot. I think that's the only way a tiebreaker would matter to the Giants. Yeah, I think the next time I have one of those late evening thoughts where I'm like, this could be <laughs> this could be a galaxy brain thought. I need to think to myself, okay, wait, back up. Have I been drinking bourbon? The answer, <laughs> yes. Okay, no, that's not a galaxy brain thought. That is a bourbon thought. That was like the Seinfeld episode where he wakes up in the middle of the night. He's got the perfect bit and he scribbles it down on a piece of paper. And then he wakes up and he's like, you know, flipping it all different directions. Like, what was I? I think this was great. <laughs> no, it's a bit. I, I really do think it's as simple as the Giants will need to defeat the Padres at least a couple of times. At least a couple of times defeat the Padres. They're in, they control their destiny, which is great. Ideally, they would get, take that eight spot because it would be extremely funny for them to beat the Dodgers in a three game series and if if they were to get the seventh spot well then you would have to face the Dodgers potentially in a five game series a seven game series haven't looked that far down the line a little bit more difficult I think a three game series if you're going to oust the Dodgers in this weirdo season that would be the time yeah and uh you know if if they were the seven seed then they might get the Cubs and we know the Giants never beat the Cubs in a postseason series (laughs) ever it's never happened it's documented oh they did lose the last time they did lose that last time uh but i I think you're referring to 1989 which uh, do you remember watching vintage baseball games i don't know if you went down that rabbit hole as far as i did uh in the very beginning of the the pandemic 
Uh, that seems like 27 months ago that I was watching. I was watching the NLCS through the 1989 NLCS. Uh, that just seems so far away. The 1989 NLCS. I, I choose to believe that that was like the Reds and like the Astros or something. <laughs> just make up something. I know that 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 didn't exist. It didn't exist. I did watch uh, some vintage. Uh, uh, sporting sportball events. Um, I watched uh, Northwestern beat Notre Dame. Um, I watched, uh, uh, let's see, I watched parts of a couple of different Rose Bowls. Um, and uh, I watched Pat Perry hit a home run. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I definitely did take in a, a few moments. I don't know if I watched a whole lot of like full games, but uh yeah, that, that is a good reminder that not very long ago, we were so hard up for some sports that we were just, we, we, we were all ESPN classicking our way through the internet. And now that the season, the regular season is almost over, uh, just what is time? What is, time is just a, a concept. There is no linear time. We, this, we're all uh, mountain points on a range of, of the sea of time. I mean, I just can't, I can't comprehend it. That's a very deep thought. <laughs> I have no follow-up. <laughs> Let's talk about baseball. It was kind of a Vonnegut Slaughterhouse Five reference, but I couldn't remember how to pronounce Tramalfaldari. Anyways, uh, all right, so let's go in. I wanted to talk some strategy with you because I really, really enjoyed the Caleb Berger as opener gambit because of who followed. It was Logan Webb, and Logan Webb's bugaboo this year has been that first inning. And so what getting Berger out there does is you you get him through the the top of the order one two three you know that Berger is going to get maybe he gets to the cleanup hitter and those are batters who aren't going to be uh there for Webb in the first inning so Webb starts four five six perhaps you know there was a chance five six seven I like that move and then if you're Bud Black and you're setting up the lineup you know that Berger's starting you think well I'll just you know put some righties in there well now when Webb comes back around there's righties for him to face. Uh, I really just just like the whole idea. No, I did too. I, it, it's just a way that you can kind of sculpt a soft landing for a player who needs a little help. And Logan Webb needed a little help to settle in. And he needed some confidence to be able to throw strikes and not pitch away from contact. And that's a lot easier to do when you're facing Josh Fuentes than it is if you're facing Trevor Story. So, you know, they basically just tried to create a game environment for him that was going to give him a better chance at success and they can do that and it worked perfectly except for the fact that Caleb Aragar gave up a a leadoff double to Charlie Blackman in the second inning but Logan Webb was able to pitch around that too and maybe even having a runner on base you know uh, was was just something different and unique and and he was able to think less about his mechanics or think less about you know hey I just need to go in there and throw strikes and and uh, and you saw Joey Bart go out there at one point when he did fall behind in the count and he, it was a very quick message and and you could tell he just said hey play catch with me just play catch with me and then boom here come here come more strikes so it was a great way to sort of massage the situation it was a great way to to manage people to get the most out of them it was a great way to kind of leverage what you have on the roster uh, and and give yourself the best chance of success and that's that's what management is that that's what that's what a good manager and a good baseball ops team does and I think that you can look at a lot of things that the Giants have done this season and realize you know they're partly in the position they're in 
uh, not just because of the talent that they've acquired, uh, the Alex Dickersons, uh, the Yastrzemskis, etc., but because they've gotten the most out of this group because they've gotten buy-in. They've gotten buy-in from this group uh, to, to do some different things, to, to have different bullpen roles. And that's all Gabe Kapler. That's all this coaching staff. So I think that, you know, this is a weird season. A lot of the rules don't apply. It's hard to really, you know, gauge performances and judge people. But I think you've got to give Gabe Kapler and his staff a lot of credit for what they've been able to accomplish with this group. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and in your piece, you you talked about uh, the buy-in uh, from Mauricio Dubon, from everyone. It's just it, it, And Dubon's emergence in this second half of the, the shortened season has been one of the most f- fun aspects of this team because he was lost. He was as lost as anyone on the team. Even when the Giants started to hit and you started to think, hello, this offense is pretty good. Uh, Dubon wasn't a part of that, not at first. And so to see his transformation, and it's been his plate discipline or his swing decisions. He's not as wild. It's a controlled swing now. There's more oomph behind every swing. There's there's more uh, uh, just just direct power. And I'm not talking about home run power. I mean, that's how they won the game on, on Wednesday night. But just, you know, violence in the swing. And it's a good thing. And that's before you get to his defense, which is way better than it should be. It's It's been one of the funner stories to watch. And, and it really is remarkable how, you know, the first time that he went out there and played center field and started on back-to-back days um, was the game that they lost in Anaheim uh, in crippling fashion when Trevor Gott had another blow-up, and they fell to 8-16. and 16. And I, I don't think you can say, well, that, that the Giants' turnaround began when Mauricio Dubon became the everyday center fielder. I mean, there's a lot of things that went into why they were able to rescue their season after being 8-16, eight, eight and 16. but I think that that's one of them. I think that that's a factor. It stabilized the team in a lot of ways. It stabilized the outfield defense because all of a sudden you've got a plus center fielder and a plus right fielder with Mike Yastrzemski moving to right. Um, you, you had a little more continuity on the infield, and there wasn't such a logjam at second base, um, and and you had guys who were starting to settle into roles and and and. And I really do think that, that that was a decision. And at the time, he had like a 230 on base percentage. He was really struggling. And he's made some pretty big mistakes, too, on the base paths. He's given away some outs in ways that has, has made John Miller very, very incredulous on air. <laughs> um, but but they stuck with him. You know, they, they, they recognized that they had something there, and they stuck with him, and they showed, you know, they almost doubled down their confidence. And he's rewarded them by having – a really nice sort of sneaky under the radar good offensive season. I mean, you know, he's he's hitting 340 at home. He, he's as much of the reason as Evan Longoria and Darren Ruff and, and Alex Dickerson and Mike Yastrzemski that that uh, that the Giants are are scoring close to six runs a game at home. Along with Dubon, one of the, my favorite aspects of this season. All right, so on August 28th. An outfielder, he's starting, he's in the lineup, he gets four at-bats, he goes 0 for 4, two strikeouts. His average is now down to 195, on base percentage 284. This outfielder, Alex Dickerson. And in the next day, he's in the lineup hitting second. This is an underrated component of what's going on this season, is that the Giants are... They believe that they have these players pegged. They believe in their own internal evaluations. And there was no, 
you know, it was a little bit limited by the injury to, to Austin Slater, but there was no just jerking. All right, we got to get Dickerson out of there. This this is not working because ever since then he he was in the lineup the next day, hitting second. Since then he's hit 450. He's hit 450 over his last 19 games with a 9.33 slugging percentage. It's you know Bonzian numbers, Bonzian OPS, and that has to do with the confidence both of Gabe Kapler and the information he's getting from the front office that says no 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 Dickerson's good keep with him. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. I think that there is more um, confidence, more assurance um, that their evaluations are are sort of on the mark and that they're going to be borne out um, over time. And there's less sort of panic type moves. I would say that that probably we need to temper our credit or our applause for this front office and 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 uh, management team just a little bit because it's not like they had a whole lot of other options. As you mentioned, there was the Slater uh, injury. They're not going to call up Elliot Ramos um, before they have to. Uh, you know, they they, they kind of had no other choice but to hope Alex Dickerson would turn it around. But I, I do I do definitely agree with the concept that you're sort of driving there, which is this is they they are confident in their evaluations and. Uh, and they believe that uh, you know they're they're not just going to change their minds on a whim uh, or or after a, a spate of tough games. And uh, um, you know I think that's that's uh, what you want from your baseball operations team. That's what you want from your coaching staff, and and that's what the players want too. They they want to feel like they're being given a fair shake. I agree with you that there aren't a ton of options behind Dickerson, or that there weren't at the time. And I would have agreed with you then, and I still do, except that now that I've seen Daniel Robertson play left field and that throw that he made the other night, that was a phenomenal throw. And, you know, that was not something the Rockies were expecting. That's not something I think Garrett Hampson was the runner, and he might be the fastest player in baseball. He's in the top 10, I believe, by by sprint speed. Uh, it had to be a perfect throw from left field to get him, and he got him. And that kind of opened up my eyes. If he can play a cromulent left field, that's a nice player to have, because he sure looks like he has a decent batting eye and good swing decisions. Yeah, he. Um, uh, we had him on the in the Zoom room the other day, and, uh, and he said that when he got back to the dugout, a couple of people said, now don't play outfield too well out there. They're going to think you're an outfielder and put you out there for good. Uh, you know, the old thing, when you fill in at someone's job and you're too good at it, you don't, you don't want to be too, too, too good at it. But uh, um, yeah, you know, he, he, he seems like a good guy. He's, he's, he's uh, uh, it's got to be strange to come to a new organization in the middle of, of any year, but especially this year. And, um, and he's, he's fit right in and he's, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot with the bat yet, but um, you know, there, there is enough in his track record to believe that he is another one of those guys who's going to make good swing decisions. And, um, he's also from Upland, California, as am I. So, uh, I think we, I think we probably played little league on the same field because he grew up about maybe eight or 10 blocks away from where I grew up. So, so we've got that going for us. See, I always, I will say that I played baseball against Tom Brady because at some point I had to. I had to have played baseball against Tom Brady. Our <laughs> ages are too similar. We're from the same area. I just don't know if it's true. And he was clearly, he was drafted and I, let me check. No, I was not drafted. Um, so <laughs> we were at different skill levels, but I'm thinking seven, eight. At some point I was on a travel ball team or something where I played him. I know I did, darn it. I, I tell you what, I was ahead of my time. I was I was a money ball player. I would I was uh, the smallest kid in my league. And so I would just like crouch down really low 
Uh, I would have like the Ricky Henderson batting stance and I would draw a walk and then I would steal second base immediately because no one paid attention to me. So that was <laughs> no my one could game. throw it down to I, second. <laughs> no one could throw it a second. I, I, I'm eight years old and I recognize the opportunity. So I think I, I, I might have had the fewest hits by anyone who led the league in on base percentage. Yeah, I've written about this before. I did. I did a piece for the book, The Hall of uh, Nearly Great, and you can read it. It was pub- it was on Deadspin as a promo for the book. Uh, and I talked about it because my hero growing up was was Ricky Henderson. And so my middle school team. So when I, I was young for my grade. So middle school is when I'm playing. It's much older kids. And I really wasn't that good. So I was 0 for 2 that year uh, with two strikeouts. But I had about 30 walks because I would just crouch <laughs> down. This is not I mean, I remember the kid who struck me out. He was just some kid who had perfect command. He's probably uh, just finishing up a major league career right now. He struck me out twice. Other than that, they couldn't throw me strikes. And then I'd get on base. I'd had the the neon fluorescent uh, green gloves and I'd crouch down like Ricky. So same thing. Sounds like uh, we should have played each other. We should have had a Ricky off. Yeah. And that kid who struck you out? Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what it could have been? <laughs> All right. This has been a shortened episode of the Bags and Brisby podcast. It was episode 105. We're really getting up there. Uh, we will be back on Monday and boy, will we know things on Monday. We will know what the Giants are doing. I don't even know. Are there postseason games scheduled for Monday? Like, is there even a break? Uh, I believe that the National League Series would open up on Wednesday and the American League Series would open up on Tuesday. So there is a break. Yes. Wild. Okay. So Monday, we will know if the Giants messed themselves on their way to the postseason or if they're in, if they're facing the Dodgers, if they're facing the Cubs. Woo! Should be fun. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing us. And we'll see you on Monday.